Good morning and happy Easter. How are you guys doing today? Good? Yeah. Yeah, hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here, and there's some joining us online right now as well, so can we welcome them and let them know we are glad they could join as well, and if that's you, go ahead and share the service because you never know how God might use that, and it's such a great day that we get to be here, and something we say every single week around here is that we believe that no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, and that we believe that the church should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So I don't know where you're at today or what you walked in here with or how you got here. Maybe somebody invited you or a family member dragged you here. They're holding you against your will right now. And you're like, help me. I want to get out of here. I don't know what you're coming into this space with today. But here's what I do know is that you are not here by accident. I really do believe that God and his love for you has been working through all these circumstances to get you here. And no matter where you're at today, he wants to meet you right where you are. You are not here by accident. And the whole reason why we're gathered here today to celebrate this really uh, incredible Sunday that we get to remember every single year to talk about the resurrection is so powerful because Jesus did something 2,000 years ago that nobody had ever done and nobody has ever done since. And that's this, that he predicted his own death, and he predicted his own resurrection. And then he, he actually like went and did it. And so that's why we're here today to talk about the resurrection and what that means for us. And I found that many people, we know the, we know the story of the crucifixion and the Jesus of the crucifixion who's hanging on a cross and displaying his love for us, that he would give up, give up his life for us. And many of us don't take time to actually talk about the Jesus, Jesus of the resurrection as well, what he's done for us, not just what he's done, but who he is and what we can learn about the resurrection as we look at that. And that's the whole reason why we have like tattoos of the cross and graphic t-shirts and all that. But you don't see a lot of tattoos of the empty tomb, right? But I think that there's a lot we can learn about who our God is. See, I, I believe that the resurrection gives us a powerful picture of who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. In verse 1, there should be a, one in a seat back in front of you as well, or power that on on your electronic device. And we're going to jump into the resurrection story here as recorded, as Luke is telling this, and he's writing, and he says this, On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they're perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed to their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? And in our marriage, there's like certain things that I'm really good at. And then there's certain things I'm like horrible at. One of the things that I'm really horrible at is going to the grocery store and finding what I'm looking for. It's so, actually it's so bad to the point that Shana has to literally go online, pull up a picture of the item that I'm looking for. Text it to me and say, it's this one. It looks exactly like this. And even with that, it takes me forever figuring out what I'm looking for at the grocery store. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, for example, just this week, we were talking about this. If you were going to the store to look for cottage cheese, where would you expect to find that? In the cheese section, right? And Shane is like, no, like cottage cheese is this like bougie, you know, its own thing. Like it's kind of prestigious. So it's not with the other cheeses. It's in a separate section over by the dips. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. And she's like, well, they don't, they don't put them together based on what they are. It's, it's based on like the container that they're in. And there's some hanging cheeses over here and cottage cheeses in a different container. I'm like, 
you lost me there. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So maybe some of you are like me, but I go to the grocery store and the reason why I struggle is because I'm walking into it with these preconceived ideas in my mind of where items should be, what they're supposed to look like, not expecting to find that there's 20 different types of milk. I just am looking for milk. And maybe you came into this space with some preconceived ideas in your mind of who God is and where to find him or what you might discover during this time. And you say, well, I'm a skeptic. I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. And maybe you have that preconceived idea in your mind of who God is and who Jesus is that I just want to encourage you to to be open today, to maybe set aside that preconceived idea you have and to actually see who the real Jesus is that we're going to be talking about today as we look at the resurrection. Now, on the other hand, there's something I don't struggle with, and it's put me in any hardware store, and I know exactly where I'm going Sometimes I can tell you which aisle exactly, which shelf to find the item that you're looking for. Because I'm one of these weird guys that will literally load my kids up in a cart and just wander around Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's. I don't even care. I just want to be there. I just feel at home here. More than in my own house sometimes. I know that's weird, but whatever. And I just go and spend hours there and know where everything is at. I just kind of have my thing. So if I'm looking for an item, I know exactly where to go and to find it. And you know what stores do for people like me? is they will set up these displays in weird areas that you're not maybe expecting. Like they'll take uh, maybe like a display of chocolates, for example, and put it like in the electrical department. <laughs> and you're like, hey, I came to buy this outlet. And man, I don't know, maybe I might be in the mood for chocolate, right? Like that sounds pretty good. And for some of us, we're coming into the space today and we've just done the whole church thing and it's the same thing. I know exactly what I'm going to find. I'm going to get dressed up on Easter, go to church, listen to a message about Jesus, and we're going to go out to lunch afterwards. It's the same thing. And I just wonder if today God might not be setting up that display that is maybe out of place, like the display of chocolates in the electrical department to get your attention, to get you interested and maybe more into who he is. And I just wonder perhaps for for some of us that have been in church for so long, if God doesn't want to do something new in your life today. So would you be open to that as well? As we're going to be looking at the resurrection and talking about who Jesus is, that maybe you've been walking with Jesus for so long and maybe he wants to do something new in your life today. But here's the thing, guys. I'm going to be telling you a lot about Jesus and who he is, we're going to be talking about that. But there's something I can't do for you, which is that I can't actually make you encounter Jesus. Like he alone can do that, and he alone can actually speak to you and show up in your life right now. I can't do that, so I'm going to do my best to just get out of the way. In fact, I just want to pray right now that no matter where you're at, that Jesus would just speak to you today in a real way. So would you join me as we do that? Father, we just want to take a second and just pause right now. I know that people are coming into this space, and for some, maybe it's been a hectic morning, getting all the kids, the whole family dressed up, and coordinating outfits, and getting here, and finding a parking spot, finding a seat, and getting into the space right now. And God, I believe that no one is here by accident right now. And God, I believe that your presence is actually here in the room with us. And God, I believe that no matter where they're at, each each and every person in this room, that you want to do something new in our lives today as we're going to be talking about who you are, looking at the resurrection, looking at who Jesus is, God, I just want to pray that we would actually encounter you in a way that would transform our lives in a new way, that people would experience a life change in this space as we open up your word, as we talk about who you are. So would you do that, God? Would you help me to step out of the way? Would you just speak your words this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jump back into the story with me. So these women, 
It's resurrection morning. They go to the tomb looking for Jesus and they encounter these angels that tell them, hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And look at what happens next in verse 6. As they're asking them this question, they say this, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And they're going to a tomb looking for a body. Instead, they end up encountering the resurrection. What they end up realizing is that they're going to the wrong place looking for the wrong guy, that Jesus had actually done what he promised that he was going to do. And they learned this powerful truth about Jesus, that Jesus is reliable. Not only did he give his word, he actually kept his word as well, that he is actually reliable. And I don't know, did anybody in here grow up with some sketchy relatives in your family? No, that's just me. My family's the only mess up one. Okay. Um, So we had, you know, certain family members that, you know, a little bit questionable and I grew up overseas as well in, in Africa, so we'd have these family members that would come and stay with you, and they would tell you, like, the craziest stories ever. Like, I had one of them tell me one time, showing me this scar, and he's like, yeah, man, I, like, ran into, like, this lion in the jungle and fought this thing with my bare hands, and I'm looking at this, the scar, and I'm like, at best, maybe, like, you got that from a house cat, right? <laughs> like, it just didn't make sense to me. It's like, it just sounded so crazy, and what would happen is after those uh, relatives that are, you know, maybe a little bit sketchy, they would leave after staying with you, your parents would like sit you down and like have this conversation, be like, hey, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, uh, you know, we love them, right? Uh, but you know, like some of that stuff that they were saying, like, I don't know if that was all really true. And like, you know, like we don't really believe everything that they believe and we don't really like do everything that they do like in this family. And now as a parent myself, I'm realizing what they were doing was they were actually helping me to unlearn some of the unhealthy or untrue things that these relatives maybe had shared with us. And I just wonder for some of us, if we haven't been coming to church or we're searching for God, and maybe the picture that we have in our mind is of this Jesus who is like a sketchy relative that says a lot of crazy things to you that you're not really quite sure if all of it is true or not. And I just wonder if for these women, as they're going to this tomb with these spices to treat his body and go through this burial ritual, if they're maybe not asking themselves like, man, we followed this guy around for three years and left our homes and our families. And he said a lot of things. And was this just another one of his crazy parables that he told that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, did he actually mean that? And instead, they end up realizing this, that Jesus is reliable. That not only did he give his word, but he actually kept his word as well. Because we serve a God who keeps his promises. And some of you are maybe in here today and you're a believer. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you're going through a season right now in your life where you are finding it hard to actually believe God's promises that they're actually true for you. You look at the outcome and it's like, Jesus, you promised to, to heal and you promised to provide and you promised to guide me and all these things. And I just don't know how the situation is going to work out. And can I just remind you that we serve a God who not only gives his word, but he keeps his word. His promises are true and you can actually trust him no matter what you're going through today. And for some of you, you're walking into this space and you're not even sure what you believe about this whole Jesus thing. Those Christian people, they just sound like the, the weird relatives that say a lot of weird things and I don't really get the whole Jesus thing and I don't even know what I believe. 
coming into this space and I just wonder perhaps today if you would lay aside that idea, that picture you have in your mind of who Jesus is and allow him to just speak to you if you wouldn't discover this truth that I've come to discover and it's this number two, if you're taking notes down, that Jesus is real. That Jesus is actually real. I take a look at what we're talking about here and just read with me these texts that we're talking about. In verse 10, it says, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told all these things to the apostles. But look at their response. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Think about that for a second, that even the disciples that walked with Jesus and got to see him do miracles, and some of them actually did these miracles themselves. They got to see him raise the dead back to life and all these things that he did. He multiplied the bread and fish, and he turned water into wine, and they witnessed all these things, and yet he gave them this promise that he would come back from the dead, and even they still have their own doubts. And so maybe if you have doubts in your life right now, like you're, you're, you're in a safe place here today to be able to ask these questions, to really be asking like, is this Jesus thing real or not? But as you read this text here that there's names of people that are listed, there's locations that are listed, there's emotions that are recorded, there's actions that people took. And all of that is because the Bible is actually a historical document. And in fact, Luke, who's writing this book that we're reading today, he wrote this about AD 85. So this would have only been about 50 years after the resurrection. And he's recording all these people's names because some of them are actually still alive at this point when he's writing this, where you could go and talk to them and you could actually hear their own testimony of the real Jesus that they actually encountered. In fact, at the beginning of the book, he tells us this. In Luke, Luke 1, he says, in as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. What is he talking about? The whole life of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. All these things were being talked about, were being written about, and people were researching and trying to figure out, is this Jesus thing real or not? And he's saying, with all those things happening, I myself also researched these things. And then he says in verse 4, and I've written all this down to you, oh, excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. We know about Luke that he was a physician who had his life radically changed by Jesus and left all of that behind to go follow Jesus. And that's the guy who wrote this letter that we're reading today. That this wasn't just some other uneducated guy just guessing things. This guy, he was, he was a scientist, educated, who researched all these accounts. And he's writing this letter to Theophilus and he's saying, you can actually have certainty about Jesus that he's real. Because I've studied and researched all these things, and now we get to read that as well. And, you know, even with that, back in the day, women weren't allowed to be used in some court cases as witnesses because it just wasn't the same culture that upholds and elevates women like we do today. So it's so powerful that Luke chose to put down in there that this was women who were the first witnesses to the resurrection. I believe he did that intentionally because back in that day, the evidence for the resurrection would have been overwhelming. And not just that, but even today, the evidence for the resurrection, the fact that Jesus is actually real is overwhelming all around us if you are searching in the right places to actually find this Jesus that we're talking about. One of our pastors on our staff team, he just came back from this mission trip and he was in a part of the world that is so opposed to Christianity that is hostile to this whole Jesus movement that we get to be a part of. And even in that context, men, women, young and old that are searching for Jesus, that are praying these prayers, that they're actually experiencing Jesus in a real way. 
that he got to witness and hear about miracle healings that are happening. People actually having physical diseases like healed from them. And all of that might sound so crazy to you, but it's actually real. And that's the whole reason why I believe even 2,000 years later, so many people have come and gone who have tried to discredit the resurrection. It didn't really happen. And Jesus is not real. You shouldn't believe that. And none of them have been successful in doing that because Jesus is actually real. And I could send here and give you a lot of reasons and research and talk about how the Bible was written by dozens of different authors that God spoke uh, through over hundreds of years. And all of it actually like adds up and all of it is actually true. If you look it up as a historical document, I can share all these things to you. I went to school and studied that. Pastor Josh went to school and studied that to learn all these things. But more than anything, the reason why Jesus is real and I know and I believe that with everything in me is because I should not be here today. If Jesus wasn't real. Because you might not know this about my story, but as I shared earlier that I grew up in Africa and I was born in a village, village in the, in the rainforest, in the jungle, in the Congo. And if you were to look at like my family tree, what you would see there would not be a beautiful picture. See, there'd be a lot of broken branches and maybe some rotten fruit on there. It might be a deformed tree and you might see a lot of really messed up stuff in there. Because on my mom's side of the family, my great-grandfather was a chief of a village. And get this, he had 13 wives. And then his son, my grandpa, married my grandma who passed away at a young age. And so he ended up becoming an alcoholic. And then he married two different wives after that. And my mom grew up in this really broken home. And there's polygamy, there's abuse, there's alcoholism, there's addiction, and so much brokenness and trauma, and all these things were being passed down in my family from generation to generation to generation, and all of that stops when you get to my mom and dad and the real encounter that they had with Jesus, that my mom and dad in their lives got to actually meet the real Jesus. They got to learn about his love for them. They got to repent of their sin and accept the forgiveness of their sin. And Jesus changed their lives in a radical way. And all of those things that were being passed down stops when you get to my parents' generation. And not only that, but Jesus changed their life in such a radical way that for them, they chose to say, instead of wasting my life with polygamy or addiction or whatever it is or abuse, and I might be doing all these things, but instead, they chose to use their lives to be able to impact hundreds, if not thousands of people. They are living in Africa today, leading a seminary, training men and women, pastors that are going out all over Africa, changing literally lives of thousands of people, all because of what Jesus did, because he is actually real. And you know, in my own life too, at the age of 16, they, uh, the place that we were living at was just not safe to be at. Education was not safe. So they put me on a plane. My parents put me on a plane at the age of 16 with one suitcase, $150 in my pocket, and they shipped me off to the United States. And I found myself for the first time ever far away from home, away from my family. And I had to really come to terms with, do I actually believe this whole Jesus thing or not? Is he actually real? Am I going to follow it? Or was this just something that I grew up in a house that happened to believe in Jesus? And was my faith going to be my own or not? So for the first time ever in my life, I began to search for God, actually where he told us to find him in his word. I opened up my Bible and actually began to read my Bible for the first time ever in my life and just praying these prayers. God, if you're real, would you speak to me and would you show me that you're actually real? And it's amazing to see how time and time, after, time, and time again, 
as I would be asking these questions that God would actually show up in my life in a real way. And by the way, you can ask those questions too. Like you don't have to come to a priest or a church, or whatever, to speak to God. You can just talk to him. And I believe that he wants to show up in your life as well. And so much so in my life to the point that when I went off to college, God was just doing this thing in my heart where I'm realizing, man, I came from some village in the Congo. And where he's brought me at today, I believe that he's done all these things in my life for a purpose. So I want my life to actually have a purpose and meaning and impact other people. So I'm praying all these things and trying to figure out, what, God, what is my purpose and meaning in life? And he, he just told me that the next thing to do, hey, just change your major. And then I'm going to tell you the next thing to do. So I switched my major. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but here we go. Bible, Bible major. Let, let's do that. And Literally time and time after time again, God would use people that would come and just talk to me and say, hey, our church down the road is looking for an intern. Would you come and interview and serve there? So I start doing that and serving students in that community and just experiencing all these things. And it might sound to you like you're listening to this right now. This is somebody else's story. I'm not from the Congo. That sounds pretty radical. And I just don't even know if that could happen in my life. But can I tell you that Jesus is actually real? And that if you go searching for him, that you can actually find him and discover that he's real and that he can really change your life. And see, I would not be here today if Jesus wasn't real. And that's my story. But that can be your story as well. As you're searching for God, I believe that he wants to be found by you. Can we thank Nate for sharing? So powerful. If, if what Nate just said is true, that Jesus is reliable and that he is real, then that means that what the Bible teaches is that because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the Spirit of God is in the room with us right now. Didn't that freak you out a little bit? The God that created the universe and everything in it redeemed us so that we could actually know him and, and have a relationship with him. And maybe, like most people today, many of us in this room, we've been searching for God in all the wrong places. You've been going down the wrong aisles thinking that God has to be here, whether that's through Instagram or social media or through YouTube videos or spirituality that you can find. Maybe you're here online and you've been searching for God all over the place and it just hasn't given you the meaning and purpose you've been desiring yet. Or maybe you're in a room and you've been trying to search for meaning through accomplishment by achieving things in your career, and it doesn't matter how much money or power or authority you get, you still can't find the happiness that deep down that you're desiring. Or maybe you're here in the room that you've been moving from romantic relationship to romantic relationship to relationship to relationship, searching for that meaning and purpose in another human being longing for intimacy in that way. Or maybe you're in the room and you've gotten so frustrated by what life is like that you've looked to escape it and turn to drugs or to alcohol or addictive habits. Or maybe you're in the room and you have just find yourself getting busier and busier just trying to avoid the fragility of life so that you won't have to deal with the void that you have in your soul. See, I believe that there is an emptiness in all of us that could only be fulfilled by a supernatural God that designed you to want relationship with him. And that's what I want to show you. What if we've been searching for God in all the wrong places and he's actually been relentlessly pursuing 
us. The third point is this. If Jesus is reliable and real and the Bible says is true, then Jesus is also relentless in his pursuit of us. I want to show you through the resurrection story in Luke 24 and also through all of Scripture how God has been pursuing humanity, including all of us here in the room since the beginning of time. What he really wants is you. And we don't feel like we're all that important. I want to show you why that's the case. Look with me in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So just a second. He, he's just resurrected from the grave, right? Remember? Like the angel's there. The rock rolls away. Bam! Oh, right? Like Jesus steps out. Like if you've been dead for three days, what's the first thing you're doing? Uh, yeah, I'm taking a shower for sure. Maybe a steak dinner. Come on. Uh, maybe you wouldn't do this, but I'm going to all my enemies that did this to me. What's up now, everybody? Look at me, right? I mean, I might even go take a little trip down to Rome, find Caesar, say, hey, power and authority. I overcame death itself. And what does Jesus do? He goes straight to people on the road to Emmaus to talk to them about how real and reliable he is. And he shows them in scripture uh, the over 300 prophecies that we studied on Good Friday that Jesus fulfilled because his desire was for you and for me and for people. It doesn't stop there. He doesn't just go and tell them about scripture and, and they don't even recognize him at first. You know, in one of the accounts, they actually think he's the gardener. I like to think because he hadn't had a shower yet, right? He's a little dirty. He's been dead for three days. And look what happens next in verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So he doesn't just talk to them about scriptures. Then he hangs out with them. He breaks bread and has dinner with them. Then they realize who he is, and then he's gone. But then just a few verses later, as the 12 disciples in the upper room and those who were close to Jesus began to hear the news of his resurrection, many of them aren't believing it. And so he goes into the upper room. Verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood up among them and said to them, peace to you. Literally, shalom. The shalom of God be upon you. He says, I'm here. Relax, guys. Everything that I said was true. I am reliable. I am real. And I am relentlessly pursuing humankind. And, you know, Thomas and some of them, they still don't believe. So he's like, look, look, look at the scars. Here I am. Come and touch it. Feel my physical body. And in that moment, everything is about to change. Those disciples, because he pursued them, will go out and reach hundreds and then thousands. And now today, over 2,000 years, now today there will be over 2 billion people at least who claim faith in Jesus who will be worshiping him all over the globe. It's not just true in the resurrection story, by the way. It's pretty much the story of the whole Bible. You want to summarize the Bible in like 90 seconds here? Here we go. God creates everything. It's perfect. He has relationship with Adam and Eve. He's walking with Adam in the garden. They're having like conversation. And yet humanity at the very beginning rebelled against them. And they broke relationship. 
But he didn't give up on him. He went to the Israelites. He said, you'll be my people. I'll be your God. I'll make your descendants as many as the sand on the seashore. I'm going to be with you. They make a dwelling place for him, the tabernacle, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And the presence of God resided with them for 40 years in the wilderness. When they get to the promised land, they build him a building, literally a house. Bethel is temple in Hebrew. It means house of God because the presence of God resided there. They put a, a big curtain up that separated the holiness of God from everyone else. And yet they still, even though God's with them, they still break relationship with them. And even the Israelites rebel, but God doesn't give up on them. He relentlessly pursues them and says, the prophets, please, please listen. And yet they didn't listen. And God still didn't give up. He sent his only son, Emmanuel, God with us, who because of his crucifixion, his atoning sacrifice, you and I could be forgiven for our sin. That temple curtain was torn in two. You can now have right relationship with God because he's covered up for our sin and wrongdoing. But he didn't just die on the cross. He resurrected from the grave, overcoming death itself, that if we surrender our life to Jesus, like the thief on the cross, if we die today, today we will be with him in paradise. But one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to put the world right and there will no longer be any pain or suffering or tears for the old order of things have passed away. He's made all things new, it says in Revelation. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we will live with him in paradise with right relationship with God and human beings for all time. Amen? But, but here's, here's the thing. If he's been relentlessly pursuing us for that long, desiring that type of relationship with us, why doesn't he just come back? What's he doing? Well, you know, we got like a schedule here. How come he's taking so long? The Bible's clear on this. He's waiting in his mercy and his grace to the last person, the very last person who will choose, because we have a choice, who will choose to give their life over to him. In fact, it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise of returning, as some count slowness. Instead, he, he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He desires every single human being to be in relationship with him and spend an eternity with him. But here's the thing. It's not just that Jesus is reliable and real and relentless in his pursuit of us. Jesus also requires a response from us. It's our choice. We may have some Jonas in the room as God has been pursuing you relentlessly. You've been running away for a really long time. And you may not be swallowed by a big fish this Easter, but I got to imagine after you leave this room, you have no excuses. This morning is not a weak message of God loves you and I hope you have a nice brunch. This morning is about that God loves you and he desires a relationship with you. He gave his life for you, he redeemed you, and now he requires a response of what you're going to do about that. In fact, Mark 16, 16 says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, baptism doesn't bring you salvation. It just represents that you've surrendered your life to Christ, that you've believed and given your life over to him. It represents that you have died with Christ and risen with him. In fact, this, at this service, we have a couple of people who are planning to be baptized. But you know what? The, the, the tank is full, and I offered this at the last two services, and at both services, we had somebody come down. The last guy, I think he was in like a suit and tie, and, and just got baptized because he said, like Nate and his parents, put a stake in the ground, enough is enough. 
I'm going to start changing some things in my life. I'm not going to wait anymore. It's not just about being baptized. It's about believing that you have to receive that good news to surrender your life, to repent of your sin, and surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. Acts 22.16 says this, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. This morning, you may have come into this space, like Nate said, uh, knowing what you were looking for in the aisle, or, or maybe... Uh, you weren't planning on anything happening this morning, but I believe that the God of the universe that created you, he's been pursuing you and pursuing you and pursuing you, and you can run away, but he is not gonna give up until your very last breath, your very last breath on the planet. And you may have been searching for God in all of the wrong places, pursuing things that you know break relationship with God, and he's still not gonna give up on you, no matter the baggage of your past. If you're here today and say, God could never love somebody like me, I wanna tell you, the God that we're talking about made the Red Sea part. He made the sun stand still. He resurrected Lazarus from the grave. I know that he can handle whatever it is going on in your life, but don't wait. If you've been pursuing him in all the wrong places, I want to share a story with you. This is a true story. It's about a woman in Iceland. You can look at this up online. She was on a tour, and she was on a tour bus, and they made a stop, and she went to change clothes or something in the restroom, and while she was gone, the bus driver took a count to see if everybody was present, and she wasn't, and so they realized, we have a missing person on our hands. And so they began to, to search for her, and she came back and was a part of that, and they began to search for her, looking for all around. And, and then they realized they hadn't found her, so they actually contacted the authorities, and the police show up, and they're combing the whole area looking for this woman. Then, I'm not making this up, a helicopter comes in. They're looking over multiple miles trying to find this woman, not realizing the whole time the woman's in the search party. And I wonder how many of us have been searching for God in all these places. It's not bringing us meaning and purpose. And he's been right there with us the whole time, just waiting for us to let down our guard and surrender our life to him. I'm begging you today because what I find is sometimes we know some of these things and we say, someday I will do that. I will, I will actually start that relationship. I will surrender things. I will recommit my life but, but, you know, just not right now. We got reasons that we're afraid of. What We'd have to change. What do people think and all of that? I'm begging you this morning not to wait. That's what Acts 22 said. Because we do not know how many breaths we have on this planet. I was driving home from a good Friday service just two days ago. That's when Friday was. And I, I saw on Keystone Avenue, I don't know how the story turned out, but I saw on Keystone Avenue uh, some lights, and so I pulled off on a parallel road, and there was a giant wreck right out here on Friday night. Multiple cars, ambulances, fire trucks, police officers, and um, I saw as I drove along that parallel road, they were, there was a minivan that was essentially stuck in the trees. Going the wrong direction, the majority of the front half of the minivan was gone. And I just wondered that family, and I don't know what the story was, and I don't know the conclusion of the story, but I picture a family driving home, never knowing that that was about to happen. And I was prepared to share all of this this morning, and then 
at the prayer meeting right before our first Easter service yesterday, Brooke, who sang that song Mercy earlier, who had a radical uh, life change through Jesus, just the way Nate's family had, just the way some throughout this Easter weekend have had. She talked about how this woman who had just lost her life this week tragically in a, a plane accident by the name of Beth Beaver, who I, I wasn't directly familiar with her, but her sister attends the church and she was at the last service. And she was so thankful that I shared this because she said that's what her sister would have loved. But she was somebody who owned Indiana Elite Cheerleading, who my daughter had recently started attending there. And she had impacted thousands of young girls, now young women's lives, because God had changed her life. And she had passed it on to all of these young women who were talking about the impact that Beth Beaver had made in her life. And, and her sister was just telling me uh, at the last service, her husband as well had lived for mission and they supported all kinds of ministry in Fishers and other places. And I just wonder, you know, that's one life that God changed that then caused an entire wake of impact to change thousands of people's lives, just like Nate's parents. And so don't think that this decision that requires a response is a small decision and that you can wait on it because you might be missing out on everything that God wants to do with your life from this moment on. And you may think you can't, and I want to tell you, you can. The God of the universe created you, redeemed you, and he's going to pursue you to your last breath. And he welcomes you home with open arms. Will you pray with me? God, We come to you this morning. We're just going to do the very thing you asked us to do. We're just going to respond. We have a choice here this morning, God. Whether for some of us, like Nate described at the beginning, that we have been Christians who have been to services like this around Christianity for months, years, or even decades, but we've become complacent, drifting in our faith some, searching for you in places that you're not rather than your word and the truth of who you are. And so we're going to do this beautiful thing this morning. We're going to recommit our life to you as Lord. And there may be others here in the room, God, that this this morning, for the very first time, they're going to say, enough is enough. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to have this in my family tree anymore. I'm going to plant a flag in the ground. From this moment on, I surrender my life to you fully as Lord, maybe for the very first time to say, I believe and receive your mercy and grace for my life, and I surrender everything over to you as Lord. If either one of those are you today, here in a moment, I'm not going to have you do anything other than this. On the count of three, I'm just going to have you raise your hand as an act of surrender to Jesus as Lord. Ready? We're all going to do this together. Here we go. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's relentlessly pursuing you. And three, he welcomes you home with open arms. I see the the three or four or five of you in the back there. I see the couple of man more hands coming up on this side, four of you. I see you as well. See you, man. Thank you. Praise God. And I see young man over there as well. Be sure to talk to your mom and dad. I see you down front here, man. Just want to acknowledge those. Raise it nice and high so that we can acknowledge. Thank you. Okay, you can put those down. God, they, they did that task. They, they, they publicly here in this moment just raised their hand as an act of surrender and now pray this with me, everyone. Uh, God, I come to you this Easter, 2023. I receive your love and forgiveness and grace for me. I repent of anything in my life that is not of you. And I surrender my life to you fully as Lord. Use me, Jesus, to impact a generation. We worship you and praise you 
It's in your name that we pray and all God's family said, amen, amen.